Let us now speak into the void. to yet another episode of Existential Breakdown. This is EBD EP005? Five? Let me check that. Yes. Episode five. Hello. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen. Um, and we, as the uh, spooky voice that totally isn't me, tells you in the intro, we're going to speak into the void. Um, a whole bunch of nonsense. And boy, howdy. Is there some stuff to talk about? Let me bring up my notes so I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance. You might hear uh, some thunder a little bit. I think for the most part, the, the storm has passed by uh, by now. So hopefully, I'm not going to have to use copious amounts of like noise cancellation or, or reduction or anything like that because that just makes it sound terrible uh, with the setup that I have because I'm not what I have right now is not conducive for that and hopefully soon um, within the next few weeks or so uh, I'll be in a more soundproof uh, area and I can start uh, concentrating on making the environment. Uh, more conducive to recording. Yes, yes. Okay, cool. So let's go ahead and get started. And I want to talk about so many things to talk about in the news. Yes, the news. I had to give myself a little bit of a pause there with the music in. I don't know if I like that music. I don't know. I might change it up. It was a little too inspirational. I like my news to be a little more dire than that. And speaking of dire... And dire wolves. You like the transition? Is it pretty good? <laughs> um, this I I for one um, do not watch Game of Thrones. I read the first couple of books uh, just because I didn't. You know, I'm not going to buy HBO just to see if I like a show. Um, I read the first couple of books and I was like, "This is good. Uh, whatever. I'll wait till it's done and then hear if people hate the ending." Because really, ever since uh, Lost. Uh, happened. I don't really want to get attached to a show and then only to find out that it just crashes and burns into the most unsatisfying conclusion. <laughs> Which I guess now people like the ending to Lost. Like, I remember, I'd never watched that show, like, as it was, uh, uh, I didn't watch it contemporaneously. Is that a correct way to use that word? Um, but I did find out the ending and I was like, well, man, am I so glad that I did not get attached to these characters only to be massively disappointed uh, by writers not knowing how to end a show. So all of that to be said, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Um, but a lot of people on the Internet do. And a lot of people on the Internet um, started complaining uh, about how a certain singer uh, apparently showed his face on the season premiere. And here's the dealio. Um, hmm. Let me think about how to go about this. So let's just talk about the whole thing, and then we'll go back through on my issues with, with the situation at hand. Um, so that happened, and if you watch the clip, it's whatever. It's, it's very, like fourth wall breaking winking at the camera yo i'm ed sharon and i have a new song out 
Um, also, yeah, the singer was Ed Sheeran, if I didn't already say that. Um, and he's singing, you know, whatever song. It's fine. Uh, it doesn't particularly sound like something that would be in Game of Thrones. It sounded a little too kind of, uh, not modern, but like kind of like you would hear it on the radio. Um, but uh, yeah, it's neither here nor there. It's whatever, and it's like two seconds of the season premiere. Granted, there are only seven episodes in the season, so really each moment of every episode is going to be very important because there's very uh, little, granted they are longer episodes, but there's still um, less time really to allocate, to waste, to, to not waste, but you know, to to have very important and meaningful things happen. So Ed Sheeran showed up, effectively plugged his new single, <laughs> or that he has a single out right now, which is pretty good. Um, and, uh, so then everyone did what they normally do and they got on Twitter talking about how great Game of Thrones was and how like, man, it's so weird. Ed Sheeran was in it. He totally took me out of it. At least that's like all I saw as far as negative things said about, um, him being on the shows. People are like, man, that really took me out of it. Weird. Okay. Why was Ed Sheeran in it? That's weird. Which uh, to me is a valid question. Why on earth would Ed Sheeran be in Game of Thrones? Um, it's not a huge deal, mainly because I'm not super invested in it, but a pretty, I, I think, a reasonable question. Well, after that, uh, I think it was Monday, uh, Ed Sheeran deleted his Twitter account. Oh, no. And then apparently all of his fans, um, or not all of them, the article I have linked <clears throat> from CNN uh says let me pull it up i think they pull like three examples of um of what actually happened but either way uh, let me do this either way um they uh, why isn't this link opening whatever i don't care um there are people like oh my gosh ed sheeran deleted his twitter account no and apparently in the past he has voiced his um, issues with the overwhelming negativity on social media, uh, Twitter, I think calling out Twitter specifically at one point. Um, it's hard to tell because he wiped all of his tweets uh, before that Monday. Uh, he did something that just like deleted everything. Um, but I'm pretty sure that he called out Twitter specifically, which I tend to agree with. I've, I've had to take Twitter breaks myself because it can be very overwhelming, uh, even for someone who is not having things negatively specifically pointed towards them or things that they believe in. Uh, it's just overwhelming negativity as a whole can be, um, overwhelming. Go figure. Um, so anywho, his Twitter account was deleted and then... Everybody's like, oh my gosh, it was all the people being mean on Twitter. They targeted him and they pushed him. They bullied him off of Twitter. One lady specifically said, and they, they have it in the article, said that, um, way to go, everyone. You bullied uh, you bullied the ginger off of Twitter or something like that. Um, which I'm, I am of the utmost belief that if you are in any way famous, especially, especially if you are a songwriter, an artist like that and you're famous and you're putting yourself out on social media, you're putting your heart out there. You have to expect people to crap on it. 
Like, it doesn't make it okay. I don't think that it makes it okay. But I think that if you expect that not to happen, you're being unrealistic. Um, and taking breaks from Twitter, like... Because here's the thing. He re... He never confirmed, as of this recording, he has not confirmed it was because of anything said about the Game of Thrones uh, episode that he deleted it. It just, it reappeared, and none of the old tweets are there. That's all that happened. As of this recording, he has not commented on it. So it turns out, actually, that people were overreacting to people overreacting uh, about Ed Sheeran being on Game of Thrones. Which is like, just like, I was talking, I think it was last week about how like the internet just kind of turning in on itself and like just becoming this really weird inward blossoming flower of nonsense that I kind of like watching uh, implode on itself over and over again. Uh, Like a new sun being reborn every day. (laughs) I don't know. I just think it was super funny that like, cause I, I read for like, I researched for like two seconds and I realized I'm like, Oh, it probably it like game of Thrones in and of itself was more than likely not the reason that he deleted his Twitter account for a day. It was maybe just like, Hey man, I just want to, there's so much negativity on the site. I want to wipe it all clean so we can start over and not have to worry about it because guess what? That happens sometimes. I've had to take like a month off again, not because nobody was even saying anything about me or about the things that like I think or believe in or anything like that. It was just like, man, you guys hate everything. I need to take a break. Um, which is you know i ironically like to poke at things um just for funsies like being genuinely hateful and negative towards things is just not my deal um so yeah everybody just lay off Ed sheeran didn't get bullied off of twitter all right and if he did he got over it and came back which is great because that should be the example of what you do that you just go away you take a breath center yourself decide if you want to re-enter that environment if so, do it. Who cares? doesn't matter. Um, watch him come out like tomorrow and be like, you guys are like the meanest ever. And that's why I deleted it. <laughs> I don't know. Ed Sheeran's pretty cool. A lot of people hate on him just because he's popular and good at what he does. Um, I think he's pretty cool. So um, the next thing up on the topic, remember like a couple weeks ago, I think it was, we were talking about how it was during, no, I think it was it during the very first episode or the second episode? I don't remember. But during the week of E3, Atari announced that they're making a new console. Ah, did you get that fully of me drinking? Oh, it was refreshing. I hope it was as refreshing to your ears. Um, but Atari announced that they were making a new console, which is weird. They're getting back into the hardware business. Um, and I uh, connected an article, or I linked an article to digitaltrends.com. I've never actually gone there before. I just Googled Atari box articles, and this seemed to be the most concise that I could find. And it had pictures. I love pictures. Um, they released images of it, uh, apparently originally through an email to people who uh, signed up or whatever. Uh, for uh, for notifications, which why would you do that? It was going to hit the internet anyway. Like it's going to explode everywhere. People will see it. Um, and I'm going to be honest. It looks really cool. Like if this turns out to be the final product. I really like the wood trim design that it has. It has two designs right now, uh, at least on this site that it's showing, and one of them is black and red. And that, like it looks cool, but it looks like a little kind of like two like. I don't know. Actually, now I think about it, it does look kind of cyberpunky, and I could get into that. So I don't know. But the wood trim actually looks really cool. I, I like the way that the black and uh, uh, wood trim looks uh, with the console. Um, 
and who knows it could not even look like that i remember original uh images of the ps3 uh controller not even being remotely close everyone remembers that horrid boomerang um but uh the big thing that came out of this so they said that it was going to whatever this means they said that um what happened okay was was worried that my microphone cut off for a second. Um, they said that it's going to be playing both modern and classic games. Don't know what that means. Like we don't know what the operating system is as of right now of this recording. I have to keep stressing that because you know they could just drop something randomly tomorrow that I wouldn't know about. Um, in uh, so we don't know like you know and are they only going to be putting on their licensed games or are they going to they going to get third party support are they going to get like you know some overwatch on the atari <laughs> that would be crazy um you know are we going to get dark souls on the atari box i'd i'm be honest i would seriously consider if they ported dark souls over to atari i i probably the atari box i'm not gonna lie it's sad i know but i'd probably do it um but yeah and also it's crowdfunded like it was this weird detail that was uh that surfaced from an email um i think an email to some of their in their french investors <laughs> that like someone caught and was like hey what it's gonna take a crowdfunding uh path that's weird. Um, so obviously, I, I I don't think that they have officially uh, commented on that uh, uh, as of right now. But like, I I don't even know what that means. Like, is this going to be another Ouya? I have a feeling right now. Like, it's just going to be another Ouya that just looks cooler and doesn't sound as stupid. <laughs> but like, I mean, like they're going through like a list of Atari published games that would be uh, runnable on a Windows. Uh, operating system, which, you know, if it's going to be running off of PC technology, it's going to be using, I would assume, a PC operating system such as Windows or Linux. Hopefully it's not Linux. Um, but if it's Windows, like, the only game that is not even worth anything was the Alo- the 2008 Alone in the Dark, which was a weird game. It was I don't think it's as bad as people say it. It might be bad. It's pretty bad. But it's also weird and interesting uh, in a few ways. Um, but that's Neither here nor there. Um, so yeah, there's just new details on the Atari box. I mean, who'd have thunk it? I don't know. Um, also, I saw... Alright, so this is... I'm going to touch on this for just a second, because who cares? Uh, they Apparently, the developers of the Crash Insane Trilogy re-release came out and confirmed. It was like, yeah, it's actually harder than the original um, because we made Crash's hitbox smaller, which... First of all, why would you do that? I don't know why you wouldn't just... The game was designed the way it was designed. I don't know. I don't know if it actually makes it better. Or maybe it does make it better, so it's not like a weird square. It's actually his feet. I don't know. I don't have it yet. Um, But, like, I was like, dude... My thought is, does anyone actually... Who already is playing it and having fun with it... And then there's everyone else who really kind of doesn't care about Crash Bandicoot. Or actively dislikes it. Does anyone actually care about that? Outside of all of the really fun Dark Souls memes that happened. Um, my 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 theory is no. No, they don't. They, they only care about the memes. Um, and because of that, I linked a pretty 
a pretty cool meme that I tweeted out a little while ago. So that's linked in here, so you can click on that and check out my uh, my dank uh, crash meme. I just said dank. That's, that's sad. I'm sorry, guys. A um, couple more things to get through here. Kingdom Hearts 3 uh, released actually kind of like a big deal. Like, so I don't. A, a lot of people give crap to Kingdom Hearts. Um, and I have made fun of Kingdom Hearts in the past for having a ridiculously overly complicated story for a game that does not have immensely deep mechanics. Um, not saying it's a bad game. I'm not saying it's mechanically bereft in any way. I'm just saying they're not the the depth of mechanics in no way matches the the overwrought and complicated nonsense that is that story. And if you think that that story is anything about nonsense, you're kidding yourself. I enjoy Kingdom Hearts one and two. I think that they are fun, and I actually kind of like get into the story in a weird way. Like, the characters are pretty cool, and I can get into, you know, the basic, like, oh, you know, your heart and friendship and blah, blah, blah. I, I can get into that. That can that can be good. Um, but holy cow, all the spinoffs have just done, I, I think, are actively detrimental to, to understanding what is going on in that universe. But that all being said, I personally enjoy playing Kingdom Hearts, and I like Kingdom Hearts 2 way more than one. So I'm very excited for three. Whenever I still don't believe it's coming out. Whatever. They can keep working on it all day long and keep showing us new things, which they have been doing for it seems like three years now. That I keep seeing, you know, every once every, you know, thirteen months or so they'll release some images or a trailer. And they have done that. Kingdom Hearts uh we got a new trailer for Kingdom Hearts three and it showed Toy Story actually, which that looks really cool. Um, I don't know. Like watching the footage of Kingdom Hearts three reminded me how much I like fighting in Kingdom Hearts, just because it's kind of just like it's craziness. It's it's kind of like a more simpler version of Final Fantasy fifteen's combat, or it, it a a cousin to Final Fantasy fifteen's combat. If you've never played Kingdom Hearts, but you have played Final Fantasy, which would be weird if you had, but you know what I mean. Um, and uh it looks super great like it looks wonderful um like obviously they nailed it and the the trailers in japanese so i'll be interested to hear uh, uh the voice actors that they get um for the english version they usually uh they very rarely get like original voice actors but they usually grab people that i think that they do like the animated the the, the shows and stuff well it, in the first two games they got the people that would play the characters in the shows that they made those shows aren't really on anymore obviously because it's been like 12 years since kingdom hearts 2 came out <clears throat> and uh they so i'll be interested to, to hear if they get people who sound relatively like tim allen and, and tom hanks and, and all of those people because those voices are very distinct uh for a lot of people my age uh because i grew up with that movie it's a good movie so i'm excited to actually get to play a you know that was a cool thing about the other kingdom hearts games it's like oh i get to play with tarzan i get to play with jack skellington like i get to play with peter pan like this it's super cool uh so i'm excited to get to do that um uh now with uh toy story characters it's exciting so i linked some images uh and there should be a link within that article back to the original trailer that they dropped so one more piece of news like i said man a lot of news today it's crazy um bioware <clears throat> Uh, get they've they've done a little switcheroo, and I'll be honest, I don't know how much it's actually gonna affect. 
um, because they kind of said like, hey, you know, starting with Dragon Age Inquisition, this is kind of the template for our RPGs moving forward uh, at this point, which is a bummer to me because Dragon Age Inquisition, I don't like very much. I think it's fine, but I think it's just fine. I don't, I have no interest in actually playing that game again, but or you know, much less other games of its ilk. Like I'm, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and obviously I didn't buy Mass Effect Andromeda, um, and they shelved Mass Effect now because they're like, oh yeah, we, people don't like what we were doing with that because in some ways it is not different enough from Mass Effect, the Ma- original Mass Effect trilogy, and in other ways it is hewing way too close to the original Mass Effect trilogy by just being like, yo, you're the chosen, you're the most important person on the, I don't know, it, a lot of issues with that game. I, I have absolutely zero interest in actually playing it. Um, but they, uh, they got, uh, Casey Hudson, they, what is the other guy? Flynn, something Flynn. Do I have the article here? I should have had the article. Hold on. Um, but they got, they got, uh, the, the guy who really helmed the Mass Effect trilogy, um, which is uh, kind of hopeful uh, to me. <laughs> um, so uh, and I and I don't, I don't know how. Like I, I honestly, the way that big video game companies work, I don't know if this is actually going to affect things like Anthem, because honestly, Anthem didn't really look like anything that Bioware had made before that. It was very loot driven, and like that kind of stuff looked uninteresting to me. Uh, the mechanics of you know, obviously. Uh, the flying around and stuff look cool, but you know the uh, what that game is. I, I don't know. It did. It didn't strike me as something that would kind of fit into the skeleton that they said that they were kind of moving forward with with their games. But anywho, um, uh, let me get down to name so I don't get this wrong. I know his last name is Aaron Flynn. So who was um, he's in uh, this is the Mass Effect and Dragon Age studio of Bioware over in Edmonton. Um, and Casey Hudson is, uh, replacing him, uh, who, uh, he, and he left like a long time ago, like, uh, gosh, I think it was like 2013, 2014 that, uh, that he pieced out. I'm pretty sure it's, it's in the article somewhere, but yeah, so he's coming back. Um, and he's like, you know, Hey, yeah, you know, it's been nice to get away. I'm obviously I'm, I'm not quoting him here. I'm. I'm more uh, paraphrasing. He's like, it was good to get away. I've kind of, you know, rediscovered myself, all this stuff, you know, trying to obviously give it a more positive uh, bent to it. Um, and it's nice to know that you're like, hey, maybe maybe he sincerely missed uh, doing what he did over there. And that's exciting to me because I personally liked the Mass Effect trilogy. A lot of people like to crap on Mass Effect 3. Um, I think it's pretty silly because I genuinely liked Mass Effect 3. Uh, obviously, 2 is the best. Um, but I think that that what those games were was really cool and something really special and something that they really got away from with dragon age inquisition and um and uh in uh, mass effect andromeda so i don't know exactly what this is going to mean for anthem because i don't know how far along they are and what anthem already is i have a feeling that they're very far and along with uh the mechanics of it obviously the game's not done yet and i'm sure what we saw at e3 was more of a vertical slice um, I'm sure the rest of the game does not look that good, obviously, but I, I can't imagine that they're going to significantly change what Anthem will be when it comes out, um, but we'll see. I'm still interested in what Anthem could be. I'm just going to have to see more of what that game is, but this Hudson coming back 
is kind of like that kind of gives me some hope. It's like, okay, one of the dudes from the Bioware that I like to play because I didn't play the old, um, the old, you know, Neverwinter Nights stuff. I didn't play that Bioware. Uh, it was more of, you know, the original Mass Effect trilogy and uh, Dragon Age Origins. I really like Dragon Age Origins a lot. And I see the Old Republic, obviously. I, I liked that. Knights, uh, KOTOR 1 and 2. Obviously, KOTOR 2 is Obsidian. I understand that. I know all of that nonsense, but it's still kind of a Bioware game. But you know what I mean. Um, so it interesting, but what can we do? Eh, we don't know what's going on, so I don't know. Uh, let me take a sip of my water. Ah, delicious. Um, so that does it for the news. Um, now we are going to move into, um, uh, for those, if you've never listened to the podcast before, the opening of it is probably obviously news and stuff like that. But then I kind of move into, and every podcast does, oh, what you've been playing this week. Um, and that kind of gets into, you know, you can get into ruts, uh, with that because people like to play things for extended period of times. I myself am one of those people. I liked, I have kind of old standbys. Like if I really told you what I played every week, I, we would just talk about Dark Souls and Bloodborne every week. And as much as I would love to do that, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, uh, so what I like to do is I kind of, I like to play something specifically new or re-examine something that I've been playing and try and look at it in a new light. Um, and then interact with people on the Twitters. Um, and if you'd like, you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, steps that's S T E P S V A Y O O so that, uh, you can kind of get the heads up on, um, whatever topics there are and you can, uh, yell at me for how bad my opinions are, which is fun. Um, oh, do, 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 uh, let me get to where we were. I gotta go to my Twitter profile. You know, really, if I was like you know, a professional at this, I would actually have this already pulled up and I wouldn't have to deal with this. Um, and actually try and find the tweet live on the podcast because this is terrible. Let me go to my most recent retweet of it. Here we go. Um, all right. So, uh, this, this past week, I, reinstalled for no particular reason i reinstalled um no man's sky and uh i'm you know everyone's pretty familiar with what happened when that game came out a lot of people were very disappointed by it and you know pretty understandably so there's there were some issues with communication between developer and publisher and consumer and you know and, and coverage and all of that stuff is I don't want to say people lied because technically they're adding the things into the game that they said were going to be in the games. Technically, I don't know if anybody lied exactly, but some of the the truth was smudged a little bit. That's all. It's, uh, I'm trying desperately not to make an alternative alternate facts joke, not only because it's so out of date that it's no longer funny, but also political humor is dry anymore. None of it's funny. It's all unoriginal. Um, I don't care, whatever. Um, but anywho, there were some issues. I personally enjoyed my time with it. Uh, I didn't play it for a super long time. I played it for like a month after its release. I got it on at launch, and I thoroughly enjoyed what the game was. I liked taking off from planets and then landing on 
new color palleted planets with janky looking aliens that barely didn't clip through mountains. Like I, you know, I enjoyed my time with it. Um, but this is the first time that I've played it since any major updates have happened. So the base building, the base sharing, the survival mode, uh, the freighter, um, mechanics where you can have your own freighters and stuff like that. Uh, the vehicle stuff. Um, and like, just like little changes, like, uh, um, like you can press down on the D pad and automatically refill some of like your life support, uh, your gun and all that stuff without having to go into the menus and selecting different things, which is really nice. Uh, so, and I genuinely love the game and I genuinely loved it before all of this. And it was just, it's in now that some of these ease of use kind of things are here and now there's more alien variety. So like when you go to, to space stations, there are actually aliens there now, instead of it just being empty and creepy, which I kind of like the tone of. Um, but now when you walk into space stations, there is a variety of aliens all sitting at the table and they all kind of turn to look at you and start like saying things to you and you can recruit them and stuff like that. So they've just added a bunch of things. They've added like filters. Um, they've added, uh, you can lock the frame rate or not. Um, the visuals are so much better now. Like I can't really tell. I'd like, to, I need to go back and fish out, uh, some, some footage of it at launch and compare it to how it looks now. But it, it looks like it's like the motion blur and things have significantly smoothed over uh, the visual aspect of that game. All of that being said, I love No Man's Sky uh, and it got trashed when it launched. Like, oh my gosh, people loved hating on it. Like so much so that they were doing the usual thing of like saying like, hello games, you guys, Sean Murray should be fired. He's the worst person ever for lying to all of us. And I'm like, guys, destiny happened. How'd you fall for this? <laughs> And you're doing it again for Anthem, but whatever. Um, yeah, neither here nor there. Um, so yeah, that, all of that being said, I love that game. So I was started thinking through other games that I genuinely liked that other people for whatever reason hated, whether it be for logical reasons or just like because it was popular to hate on it. And I threw that out to Twitter, to the Twitterverse. Yay, you guys. And I got some responses. And I got some really... Some of the responses were things that specifically that I thought of. One in particular, I very much so thought of uh, when thinking of this question. Uh, hold on one second. I need to make sure. Okay. Um, and the first one I want to touch on, because this is one that I didn't expect. Uh, I didn't really think about it. It's kind of a game that I have in the past kind of been a little bit harder on uh, in contrast um, to the other games in the series. Um, and uh, sorry, I was getting a text and I haven't even pulled them off of my phone so I can read the tweet. Um, so I've, I've thrown my fair share of shade at this game, but I have also enjoyed this game more so than other people seem to have in retrospect. Uh, and that is at Neo Loki 55 replies with Fallout 3. Um, and yeah, like, so there was a contingent of people who hated Fallout, the idea of Fallout 3, as soon as Bethesda's name got entered into it. And there was a No Mutants Allowed community, and they were hardcore Fallout 1 and 2. And we want Project Baron, I think, is what the, the next Black Isle, um, who eventually became Obsidian. Uh, game was supposed, I think was the code name for that. Um, and they immediately hated the idea that it was going to be 3D and that they're like, oh, Bethesda's going to, like, it's going to be boring and blah, 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 blah. It actually turns out Fallout 3 is really cool. Um, like, I really like the tone to it. Um, I like the way the world 
is more interesting to like wander around in, I think. Um, because it's such an interesting premise, so to be able to move around in a 3D environment that is that premise is uh, is infinitely interesting, uh, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, and then like in retrospect, like people are like, but in I think Fallout Two and Fallout New Vegas, um, especially Fallout New Vegas, even though it's it's a little more broken, even after years and years of patching. Um, I think Fallout New Vegas kind of captures more what I like about the Fallout universe, which is making choices in a post-apocalyptic universe that will affect things wildly um, to the point of, like, it says that you fail all of these other missions if you make certain choices because of the way things go. Uh, and Fallout 2 was a lot like that. Um, but Fallout 3 isn't a bad game, and it's a great, like, I love the setting, like, being in Washington, D.C., and like there, I specifically um, remember in the in the opening area, walking out of the vault, and then uh, the first time playing it. And this is actually my first Bethesda game. I played this before. I played any of the Elder Scroll games. I played Fallout Three first. Um, coming out of the vault and then finding my, I, I passed Megaton, um, and I found my way to um, the supermarket that's just down the road, and. That's a really like startling set piece because there are just like dead bodies hanging on hooks outside. It actually turns out that it's like a bunch of these cannibals who are living there, which obviously is standard fare for post-apocalypse stuff. But it was still not expecting it and seeing it in a 50 style um, uh, uh, setting like that was that stark contrast really worked for me. And the rest of that game does that. It keeps doing that. Obviously, I think New Vegas uh, is a little more interesting in its story. Um and once you get on the strip, it looks very the the environment is very interesting. But I think overall, like the world in its entirety, I think Fallout Three is definitely kind of has more stuff to get into there. Uh, so yeah, Fallout Three definitely is really cool, and it got gets a lot of really undeserved hate because it's still what it does is really great, just because it doesn't do what other Fallout games do. Um, because we have Fallout New Vegas and we have Fallout 2, so you know it's it's nice to see it kind of branch out and do something different. Uh, um, uh, we're kind of moving backwards through time here. Um, the uh, region of we retweets uh, at Sentinot underscore plus. He does a wonderful podcast about monsters, which is really great, called Monster Dear Monster. Please check it out because I will be on the upcoming episode, which is covering Doom. I'm very excited about. Um, he says, I love Lords of the Fallen, and that is an opinion clearly in the minority, or maybe I just want to be a burly bald man with a beard. <laughs> Don't we all, really? Um, and uh, the uh, my opinions of Lord of the, Lords of the Fallen um, has been very well documented that I despise that game uh, i tried liking it like a lot and i actually like their follow-up game the surge i don't know what it is i think it's just that i like shallow sci-fi over shallow fantasy um there now there are cool things about lords of the fallen um like the things it does like i like i like the idea of staying away from your souls for as long as possible to kind of build it up is cool so that kind of risk-reward is added in there. I think that's where... Or not not picking up your souls, but resting. So the, the longer you go without resting at one of the crystals, which is effectively a bonfire, um, the higher your multiplier gets. I think that's really interesting. Um, 
And I think that's a cool, like, mechanic for that. And I actually kind of like, you know, like, going into the dark world and stuff like that. Like, there, there's a lot of interesting mechanics and an overall kind of what I, I interpret as a very meh game. I, it did not do it for me. I didn't like the weapons. I didn't like the movement. I didn't like not having iframes. I didn't move quick enough to get out of the way of attacks, it felt like. Um, and, it, like, the bosses were, they weren't necessarily... Like, you just had to recognize a pattern and then react mechanically to the pattern, which isn't bad because a lot of boss fights are like that. I just didn't want that from that style of game, which is a personal subjective thing. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people a lot of people hated on that game. And as time went on, it seemed like more and more people jumped on that train. Um, and it seems like the surge is kind of getting, like, I don't know, like, people who like Lords of the Fallen seem to not like the surge. <laughs> Which is weird to me, because uh, I love that game. I think it has a lot of issues, and I especially think that it gets up its own butt with its uh, difficulty near the end, but I think it's a relatively good game. Uh, so yeah, that was that. Uh, and then here we're going to move into the ones that I was kind of thinking more of, and uh, Leonard Johnson, who is at Dr. Faust is dead on Twitter, which you should follow him, because uh, he has a lot of really interesting, uh, uh, deeper thoughts on entertainment and other things. Uh, and, he has, and again, I'm just going to keep plugging the Limbo video. That Limbo video that he has on YouTube, on his YouTube channel, uh, is really awesome. Or not Limbo, uh, Inside. I'm done. Because uh, I kind of came away from Inside being like, yeah, it was pretty neat. And then his video is the only one that delved deeper into it. That was like, you know what? You're not just being, you know, cool, you know, oh, this is so deep, aren't I deep? You know, you, it felt like he was actually pulling real meaning out of some of the things. Uh, so anyway, he says, uh, Bioshock Infinite, which this is a crazy one because uh, I, I was one of the people who consumed Bioshock Infinite at launch in just like a, a fever dream of two days. Like I played that game and I just couldn't stop. And I loved every single second of it. And I immediately started it over again after the ending. I was like, that's mind-blowing. I bumped it up to 99 uh, mode, which is like crazy hard mode. I don't know why they call it 1999 mode, but whatever. Um, and it's like, I love the way the powers work. Um, I, I, I thought that it was a really good action-y uh, development on the Bioshock. Uh, or, you know, the original. I, obviously, I like. I think I like original Bioshock more. Uh, as far as its themes and its aesthetic and its tone. But I think mechanically I like Bioshock Infinite a lot more. And its story, it, for you know, because of the nature of what the story is, it obviously carries a lot of um, kind of plot holes. It kind of roughly skims over a few details that might be very important. Uh, but I remember that, and, and uh, Leonard brought this up, later in a, in a, in a Twitter conversation and a thread that we were having that like six months after, like everybody was praising this game. And then six months after it came out, everyone was hating on this game so hard. And I had never seen a turnaround like that before. Like everyone's like, Oh, the racism stuff is shallow and weak. And he just wants to seem, you know, blah. And, uh, you know, Ken Levine is this, you know, he has such a weak point of view that, you know, aren't both sides bad, which I, I, harshly disagree with that's what he was trying to say with it it's just you know in this universe this person is the villain in this universe the other person is the villain they're very obviously two different universes like things happen like that's the whole point is that you're putting your trust in this person you go into another universe and they're the bad guy that's a good bait and switch it's a very good twist to a game it's not necessarily like look they're bad too that's not i 
I vehemently disagree with that being an argument against this game. I think it's stupid. Um, sorry, I got a little passionate there. A little passionate. I'm cool down. Um, but yeah, like everybody turned on this game. Like it's so stupid and it's so, you know, it's just, it thinks it's so much smarter than you. And I'm like, I don't think so. Like I think it, like it's a, first of all, it's a video game. So I mean like already the bar is pretty low as far as what story is going to be considered. And then I think it actually tried some really interesting things. Obviously, uh, it went through really, really like rough development time. I think it was like 10 years and they said it was going to be all these different things. It was originally supposed to be open world and all these different things, but ultimately they settled on what became Bioshock Infinite. And I don't think that it is bad. In fact, I think that it is very good. And I think that it undeservedly gets a lot of crap uh, heaped onto it. Um, and then finally, God, I hope I am not forgetting anybody. Um, we get... The one and only Joshua Crow at Morbid Beard on Twitter, who gives us a wonderful, wonderfully penned uh, direct message uh, to me. So he says, read this week's question. Doom 3, which is, I specifically had Doom 3 and Bioshock Infinite in my mind whenever I asked this question. Uh, outside of No Man's Sky. He says, I never had a PC capable of playing games that demanding, so I had to pick up the original Xbox version, which, dude, I'm right there with you. That's exactly the version that I played. Uh, Admittedly, I was too young to really understand the vitriol everyone was throwing at it and still does, but I've never had a problem with it. Yes, it didn't look or run as good on Xbox as it did on a massive rig, but I bought it on association of the name alone and loved every second of it. Played it through one winter and one winter time and the darkness only served as a catalyst for me to really get into the atmosphere. I've always considered it a very worthy part of the doom series. And I feel like if 26 teams doom did, it did turn out to be call of doom as we've heard, it would have been, uh, we'd have another dark souls two. Isn't that bad scenario on our hands. I forgot. That's how we ended it. <laughs> that's so funny to me. Um, uh, uh, uh. Oh my gosh, we got a last minute result in. Oh, this is great. Um, so, uh, oh goodness, I'm sitting in this chair wrong. Um, you know, absolutely. I was in the same exact boat. Um, Doom 3 was actually the very first Doom that I played. I didn't play Doom 1 and 2. Um, I'd heard about them and I had seen them. I didn't really understand what it was about, though. I didn't really get that, you know, the idea of the birth of... Uh, the real birth of first-person shooters. Like, Wolfenstein obviously came before that, and I think there's even one earlier than that. But really, it's Doom was the, the the you know, they were calling other first-person shooters Doom clones in the way that we call things Souls-likes, which I think is equally as stupid. Like, we just need to get away with from that and just call them something else. Um, but uh, anyway, so, yeah, so I, I picked up Doom 3, and I was like, this game is awesome it's scary uh like you know obviously yes monster closets yes monster closets are a thing yes why can't you have your flashlight out at the same time as your gun i understand i don't understand people complaining about that i understand people pointing those things out but i think that both of those monster closets and the idea of darkness being as prevalent as it was in that game uh i think was actually uh i think incredibly successful and I think, like, the very slow burn that is the beginning of that game is so impressive and good. And uh, and obviously, eventually, like, at the end of the game, it actually does turn into a Doom game once you get all of your weapons. Like, it very much turns into a very large, you know, which I actually didn't understand that's, that I should be gunning everything down as a kid. Like, I didn't really get it. 
Um, but like, I thought like having like all of the PDAs and everything like that, and like the way you had to like search through emails and stuff to get codes, I thought that was all really interesting things. Like as a kid, that in and of itself, I thought was awesome. And then looking back and thinking of trying to put that level of gameplay into doom, I think is really, really interesting and cool. Obviously it is not doom. And I very much, everyone knows I love doom 2016 i love it so so much and i cannot wait for next week we have to talk about the monsters from doom because i love doom um but doom 3 i think in context of the rest of the series is so interesting it's so interesting i don't think it's bad just because it's different um i keep saying that all of the time it's like just because something isn't your style doesn't necessarily mean it is objectively bad nor if something is your style means that it is objectively better than something else just remember that um, there is a there are objective standards for quality here. There is subjective room to move in how much you like these things, but there are objectively good and bad things. Anyway, Doom Three not as bad as everyone else says it is. And then, all right, we got a last minute uh, response in here. Yay! And uh, is from Mister John Gamble, who is at ninety nine Dexterity, who's been giving me like pointers and stuff for fighting games. Which um, I'll go ahead and say it now. Uh, hopefully, in the future, we're going to be able to schedule. A, uh, a fighting game special uh, between him and uh, and I think one other person. We're going to try and get someone else to guest on there. Uh, but anywho, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Um, so he says, I'm a stalwart defender of Dark Souls 2. Hey, another mention of Dark Souls 2. Um, which places me in a pretty strong minority amongst the Souls community. Sure, the game has its flaws and questionable changes from Dark Souls 1. Looking at you, adaptability. Seriously, having iframes linked to a stat? Come on, man. I agree. However, I feel that uh, it's without a doubt the most wide open of the games in terms of build variety, allowing nearly every combination of weapons, magic as viable as a viable build. Uh, plus, DS2 is power stancing and bonfire aesthetics. To summarize. When taken as a whole, Scholar of the First Sin edition with the DLCs taken into account, I believe Dark Souls 2 to be head and shoulders above Dark Souls 3. P.S. Sorry for the super long response. Never apologize for that. Love long responses because I talk way too much on this podcast. Anyway, I'd rather be talking uh, about what you're saying, man. Um, I don't know if I could say it's like head and shoulders above Dark Souls 3. Like mechanically, I I kind of like my issue, my my main issue, I'd even be able to forgive adaptability because then you can just pump adaptability up to insane levels and have a stupid wide iframe uh, window, which that's super fun. Um, so even disregarding that, if they just didn't mocap weapons, like character movement, I think that in and of itself is kind of what makes me not like that game. Um, absolutely build variety wins out in this game like there you can get to a lot of different things in dark souls one but that's kind of just because of dark souls one's uh world structure that there's more variety in it so you can do weird skips to a stronger bow you can do weird skips uh to a sword that scales with faith so that faith isn't just a dump stat until you get great lightning spear or whatever um so there, there are different ways to kind of not abuse, but kind of if you know the game well enough, you can skip to certain weapons and items to add more variety to it. So, yeah, I do definitely think that Dark Souls 2 is the most wide in its variety. Uh, and power stancing is super fun. Power stancing whips. Whip fest is the bomb. Uh, and hexes are great. Taking hexes out of Dark Souls 3. They do have like, I think it's like, 
what's it dark miracles and like there are pyromancies that are effectively hexes but i like i liked having to level both intelligence and faith like thematically that's really interesting that there is a class of magic that requires you to have an immense amount of faith and be really smart uh, i think that's really cool um yeah i don't know about, about dark souls 3 dark souls 3 story is definitely i don't think as good but uh yeah mechanically i'm i'm always going to be into the feel of the of the um key keyframe animation uh, over that but yeah dark souls 2 it's definitely not i like to joke around about how awful that game is just because to kind of poke at people again like it's the same thing as getting on twitter and saying that the chalice dungeons aren't bad uh i genuinely don't believe that they're bad but i also think that they're they're you know, it's it's fun to kind of bring that up around people who hate them, because I win. No, um, yeah, Dark Souls two. I I will play through it if I'm marathoning the Souls games. Uh, I've done that before. Um, it's just that honestly, I think it's a little too long. Um, like it gets really long and long in the tooth at the end. Like by the time I've done all the spokes, and then you have to go all the way to the castle, and then you have to keep going. Uh, all the way to the Dragonary, like, by that point, I'm just like, okay. And then all of the DLCs, like, granted, I'm complaining about a dearth of content in the game, but still, I'm just like, gah, there's so much more to go through if I want to finish this. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it's, and Dark Souls 2 is weird. It was like, people really liked it at first, and then, like, slowly people were like, no, oh, this is, like, awful. It's not that awful, it's just Dark Souls 1 is this weird, like, lightning in a bottle thing. Uh, like, cause like a lot of people don't like demon souls, which they're crazy. Cause demon souls is great. Looking at you, Richard. I know you. Yeah. I'm looking at you, dude. Um, demon souls is great, but a lot of people don't like it for whatever reason. They're weird. Uh, dark souls one is like just this weird, like anomaly of just like janky at times mechanics and like the really obtuse world building and the way it doesn't really explain a whole lot with the humanity system, like all of this weirdness coming together in the perfect formula to create dark souls. And I just, you know, it's not that it was luck. It's, it's obviously a very competently made game because the DLC is equally as competent. Um, but, uh, and I think bloodborne is also as equally competent, uh, I just think that they, I think that from software works better when they are moving from IP to IP, uh, when they create a new series as opposed to sequel, uh, as opposed to it being a sequel. Um, also aesthetics. I never, like, I understand, like, maybe it's just because I, there's no real bosses that I want to fight more than once, uh, with a character in Dark Souls 2, but I'd much prefer aesthetics in something like Bloodborne, where it's all about, like, really getting your iframes down and parrying and stuff like that. Like the fighting in something like a Bloodborne or Dark Souls 3 kind of would make more sense to do that because Dark Souls 2 is a little more just recognizing its pattern and hitting it when you when it's not attacking you. Uh, not to say that's a bad thing again, just different. And, you know, I don't want to engage in that more than once. So it's a, it, I say all that to say this. Yes, it is a bummer that aesthetics don't show up in later games because they're super cool. Uh, let me double check one more time. Make sure there wasn't any more last minute. Nope. Okay. Um, so we're going to move straight on to the positive tweet of the week. Yay. Um, and the positive tweet of the week this week is I need to pull it up so I can have it exactly, uh, in front of me. And it is from, uh, at 
Fox, uh, at underscore, I think is it underscore underscore Foxhound or at underline Fox? It's type in at Foxhound. Um, he's the, he, the, how I know him is, uh, or know of him is, uh, through, uh, Lobos Jr., uh, who's, if you know Dark Souls, you know Lobos Jr. If you don't, just look him up. You'll be amazed. Um, uh, this dude, uh, Foxhound, does, uh, he streams D&D stuff, and uh, Lobos Jr. plays with him on, I think, on Tuesdays, I believe. Yes, it's on Tuesdays. That's that's really fun to watch sometimes. But he tweeted out a very, very funny picture of a cat with the Mask of the Father on it, and it looks amazing. Like, it looks so good. Uh, and it made me laugh a whole lot, and that was my uh, positive Tweet of the week. Yay. Um, and so I think that that, I don't think I have any, do I have any more segments in this podcast? I can't keep track, man. I don't pay attention while I'm recording. I should probably write these things down. I don't know. Um, but I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. You can follow me on Twitter at, uh, S T E P S V A Y O O. V A Y V-A-Y-O-O. That is S T E P S V A Y O O. Steps of AU on Twitter. Old man Dark Souls. Um, where you can yell at me in my bad opinions. Uh, a lot of people liked, uh, were poking fun at me. Uh, or not poking fun, but they were pointing out that maybe Salt and Sanctuary isn't the best Souls like. In my opinion, it is. But whatever. It was on sale this past week, so leave me alone. I'm just kidding. Don't leave me alone. Keep sending me, send me that hate. I'm gonna drink up the haterade. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Tasty. All right, um, yeah, I'll see you all around next week. Uh, make sure to subscribe if you haven't. Tell your friends about the show. Um, next week is going to be a special on Dunkirk, which I'm really excited uh, to record uh, with a special guest, a uh, real cool dude. Uh, you'll get to see that next week. And so until then, um, I said something at the end of the last podcast. I don't remember what it was. So I'm just going to say, and until then, remember to stare into the void. There's something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Battle lines being drawn Nobody's right If everybody's wrong Young people speaking their minds Are getting so much resistance From behind The time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down What a field day for the heat A thousand people in the street Singing songs and they're carrying signs Mostly say hooray for our side It's time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going Strikes deep 
it will creep It starts when you're always afraid Step out of line, the man come and take you away We better stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going on Stop, hey, what's that sound? 